The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And let me tell you that I'm having a lot more fun this year. Uh, writing my newsletter because of the content, as you uh, could judge from the name of the newsletter, gold, energy, and tech stocks. Well, more on the gold side. Gold is up very nicely this year, and the gold shares have gone up dramatically more than gold itself. So it is a, uh, it is a good time uh, for uh, for this sector, and uh, we'll be talking more about that in just a few moments, and uh, also with Michael Oliver a little later on. Also, my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Chen, too, is also focused on gold mining shares, although Chen is much more diversified than I am, and and he has uh, really done quite well with a, a series of uh, biotech stocks and, and other ways. Chen always finds ways to make money, and he does a, a very good job uh, of of that and also passing along those ideas to his subscribers. If you'd like to sign up for either Chen's letter or mine, go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com to sign up for Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks or What is Chen Buying, What is Chen Selling. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. Also, encourage you to continue sending along your questions, comments, criticisms, and praises um, well, we prefer praises to criticisms, but honestly, we want to hear them all. Send them to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions the number for Taylor at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at jtaylormedia. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsors, uh, most of all, for making this show economically viable. Avino, uh, Silver and Gold Mines, a company that is doing very well in increasing its silver production in Mexico and about to start gold production uh, from the Brayloran Mine in British Columbia. Very proud to have them as a sponsor, as well as Metanor Resources. Uh, Metanor is trading up 5.9% today, or a little earlier when I looked at the market, it was up 
over 5.9% on a half a million shares. Avena is also trading higher, actually up 6.1% today, the last I looked, a little before showtime, uh, at $1.71. Very proud to have both those companies as sponsors. Um, we are going to um, talk to Michael Oliver in a little while, and Michael uh, is convinced, uh, at least last I talked to him last week or so, and, and reading his newsletter over the last couple of days, he is convinced that we are on to a bull market, a major bull market in gold, and he sees gold rising to uh, upwards to $1,450 before it runs into its first significant resistance. Now, we're seeing a bit of a pullback today. Gold was up about 22% from January 1st until the end of last week, uh, and uh, it's, it's backed off a bit today. I'm not sure exactly where it's trading now. I think it was at around uh, 12.60 or 12.50 something earlier today, um, and it had gotten a smidgen over 1,300 uh, intraday a few days ago. So it is backed off a bit, uh, but with this 22% rise last as of last weekend in the gold price, uh, my average my portfolio had gained 48.55%. That's the portfolio that I propose in my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold, Energy and Tech Stocks. And even last week, just to give you an idea of how this market is starting to get very exciting, a company called Trimetals Mining was up uh, 85% just in last week. Uh, another company, Golden Predator, was up uh, 70% last week. Um, and our Vista Gold is up 37%. And Novo Resources, which we've talked about frequently on this show, was up last week 20%. Um, you know, I just think this is really a time you want to pay attention. I should tell you that um, you can subscribe to my newsletter for a mere $69. We'll give you uh, three months, and that's 13 weeks and three monthly uh, issues of my newsletter. And uh, I hope you'll... Take a chance. Uh, take a uh, just give it a try. Uh, go to j go to miningstocks.com and sign up for the letter. Uh, I think you'll find it, especially at this time when the market is really starting to get exciting, uh, to be well worth the money. Um, I would like to call your attention again to the Metals Investor Forum on May 14th and May 15th at the Rosewood Hotel in Georgia. That's downtown Vancouver. I will be uh, attending there. We'll be speaking there. Uh, seats are filling up fast from what I understand. There are a, a limited number of seats, but there is still some room. Uh, but you need to act quicker, uh, sooner rather than later, I should say. Uh, go to J. Taylor Media and click on the Metals and Investor Forum banner towards the top right-hand corner of the website. Uh, just go in there, uh, enter your name and an email address, and you will be assured a seat uh, at the Rosewood Hotel, Georgia, in downtown Vancouver. Speakers there will be Brent Cook and Eric Coffin, Brian London, and Gwen Preston, all of which have been guests on this show in the past. Uh, and uh, I will also be speaking there, be uh, providing a presentation, a 20-minute discussion, uh, and then introducing companies that I know uh, that will be at the show as well. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that and hope to see as many of you there as possible. Certainly, the mood for the junior sector is changing, as I, as I mentioned. It's changing very uh, positively and changing very fast, especially uh, the gold sector. Gold, gold bottomed in, in December, no question about it. In my mind, it bottomed in December. And currently, among it is among the strongest asset classes, as I mentioned, up 22% as of the end of last week. And what is, I think, really important to note is that 
uh, it's not just the old gold bugs like yours truly that are in there now buying gold shares. There are people that generally would have nothing to do with gold shares are starting to see the need to move money out of the equity market into that sector. Indeed, I think it's uh, Carl Icahn, who I, I noticed on Zero Hedge today, is now 150% short. So he's really taking an aggressive short position in the equity markets. It's not saying Carl Icahn is right, uh, but we're going to be talking to Michael Oliver, who has an independent viewpoint, and uh, he will give us his views on the equity market as well in a few minutes. Um, again, the gold market has pulled back a little bit. might be especially a good time to take a look at some of these stocks and, again, sign up for my newsletter and others uh, that focus on uh, on the gold mining shares. Uh, just to give you an idea, some of the companies that will be at this uh, Metals Investor Forum, First Mining Finance, Everham Resources, Kamenek Gold, West Red Lake Gold Mines, Colorado Resources, Can Alaska Uranium, RN Resources, Silvercrest uh, Metals, Gold Source Mines, Pure Gold Mining, New Market Gold, Brazil Resources, Avino Silver and Gold, Klondike Gold, Sirius Resources, Integra Gold, Nevson Resources, Orizon Gold, Lithium X Energy, Trimetals Mining, Precipitate Gold, Northern Shield Resources, Millrock Resources, Sandspring Resources, Sabina Gold and Silver, Almadex Minerals, Constantine Resources, Golden Rain Resources, Fission Uranium Corp., and Ashton Bay Holdings. So if you're a follower of some of those stocks, you might want to make an effort to go there, meet the management, and hear the stories. And keep in mind that these are companies that are going to be at this forum not because they had the money and requested to go, but because the newsletter writers that will be speaking there are fond of those companies. Uh, they have recommended them and have recommended them for uh, for this event. Well, let's turn to today's show. I've titled today's show, Where is Jim Rogers Investing His Money Now? Jim Rogers, and uh, we'll be joined by Michael Oliver after uh, in just a couple of minutes after our first commercial break. Well, Jim's vision of an impending bankrupt Western world and a declining United States caused him to move several years ago to Singapore. And uh, other guests on this show certainly understand the destruction of Keynesian economics, but the advantage that Jim has over all of the other members and, and guests on this show uh, is that he has spent a tremendous amount of time not in fancy hotels in some of 100 countries, but basically among the people, among uh, the common folks. And he has, I think no one has a more intimate understanding of the social, moral, and fi financial and structure, uh, structural fiber of nations than Jim Rogers has. Uh, I, I pre-recorded my interview with Jim last evening here in New York. Uh, which was, of course, Tuesday morning in Jim's home in Singapore. And uh, he, has, has, he has some very interesting things to say about the evolving New Silk Road from China through India and Russia into Europe. And this is a topic that Wim, William Engdahl has talked about. Well, if anything, uh, Jim Rogers is emphasizing the importance of this new development and what the economic impact is going to have on the rest of the world, and in particular, Jim notes, Singapore itself, where he lives, uh, certainly not a positive development, according to Jim, as far as Singapore goes. So you're, you're going to want to hear what he has to say. Uh, very important, always insightful, Jim Rogers. Now, we are also lucky to have Michael Oliver with us. Michael's here with me almost every week. Whenever we can have some time, we'd like to have Michael on. I don't know of anybody that gives me more confidence in terms of believing that I'm on the right side of the market 
or helping me to know which side of the market, of any given market, to be on than Michael Oliver. I've really gained a lot of trust in his work. It seems as solid as any I have seen among technicians, maybe not uh, in terms of short-term trading, but in terms of having a sense of longer-term, you know, figuring out which direction the uh, markets are heading and various markets are heading. Very important to know. You're going to have Obviously, you're going to have ups and downs within any direction, but to have the the big picture direction right is so important. So we are going to go to a commercial break now, but when we come back, I will be with Michael Oliver, so don't go away. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Avino Silver and Gold Mines is a diversified, low-cost producer with operations in Mexico and Canada. Avino is growth-oriented and recently completed a major expansion at its Mexican operation, which doubled its silver equivalent output in 2015. Avino is partnered with Samsung CNT and is now an official metal supplier to one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer electronics and builder of some of the most prolific engineering projects worldwide. Avino's shares are listed on the NYSE as MKT and the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ASM. If you want a silver lining in your portfolio, think Avino. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Michael Oliver. Um, He's kind of a security blanket for me because as an investor, he bolsters my confidence, certainly that uh, in the longer term, that I'm on the right side of the markets. And I I just mentioned uh, in the introduction to today's show uh, that I treasure Michael for his his longer-term perspective, but... Michael left me know that he's pretty good in the short term, too. Now, I, I, I don't know that because I don't look for the short term. I'm not a trader. I don't particularly look for help from Michael on the short term. Uh, but but welcome, Michael. Thanks for joining me again. Oh, great to be back. Good. Now, Michael, you were just telling me you, uh, you, know, you, you do make some pretty good short-term calls as well. You were just telling me you did one on the S&P, I guess, right? 
Well, the, I don't usually focus on that, but I know everybody is so hyper about the S and P right now. It's it's the yeah. main market of hyperness. Okay, uh, <laughs> either you're bullish or bearish, and it, right now we're trading twenty eighty. In late two thousand fourteen, oh, in two thousand fourteen, we had a price high at twenty ninety three. Wow. Okay. Does that tell you something? Okay. Now, the, the mistake most traders or investors are making is they're looking at the S&P and the Dow and the S&P 100, which is like a subset of the 500. They're all blue-chip U.S. indices. They're in their own world. They don't look, smell, act like anything else, including most sectors within the U.S. do not look like the S&P looks. The DAX index in Germany does not look like the S&P. Uh, certainly the Italian index, the French uh, uh, Nikkei 225 in Japan, they look like disasters in the making. They're already disasters. Whereas we're sitting up here uh, sunning ourselves sideways for two years now. Oh. Uh, no doubt central banks are helping that. This is the Fed, to some extent, has is, is fostered this sense of safety. But it's peeling away uh, in terms of developed market stock action. It's peeling away, and it's, you're left with nothing but blue-chip U.S. stocks is about the only thing still standing. Certainly small caps are not. If you look at the Russell 2000. So when people say, what is the market doing? They look at the S&P, and they're making a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it will certainly, uh, yeah, if you just look at the S&P 500, you say, what well, we're, you know, all these doomsayers, uh, David Stockman and others that we've had on this show continue to say, uh, you know, the economy is going to hell, the markets are in bad shape. Uh, and yet you look around and you say, well, geez, you know, here I'm looking at the market today, the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, all up over 1%. We're looking at a 1.1% rise in the S&P to 2081 right now. But as you say, that's that's even below where it was back at the peak in 2014. So we've really gone nowhere, and yet the perception oh, is no. that things are pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, well, NASDAQ but he, uh, 100, for example, which is a blue-chip index, NASDAQ 100, yeah. it's down 5% on the year. Yeah, well, S&P's 5% already on this year, year. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's that kind well, of thing yeah. you've got to look at and be aware of. Yeah, a few big stocks. It reminds me a little bit, Michael, and I think you you and I are old enough to maybe remember the 1970s when, in fact, it was just a handful of stocks that really kept the markets from from really tanking for a while, and uh, that for seems to be the case. Well, you know, what you're saying, I think, I think you know, you, you do have some very colorful interesting language you called you referred to the stock market as dead man walking last week what is it then it's really your momentum stuff that's that's very very important that and it, and what i would like to tell my listeners is that when you subscribe to michael essentially it's you know you hear his sort of his views right here on this show but when you subscribe to michael you're going to see the charts uh that give you the confidence that uh, allow you to understand that the momentum and the structure is changing. And you don't see it in the price a lot of times, but you see it, Michael sees it in the structure that he passes along. And that's, that's most helpful. But you're really seeing a breakdown in the structure of the S&P 500, right? So it's, yeah, it's fully as broken as it can get. Now, I will say this. At, at, the, at the top of 2000, you had a similar situation. You hung around for almost a year before you fell apart. You didn't uh-huh. really go up. just beat your chest. Uh, 2007 was a distribution top. You didn't break down until the first quarter of 2008. And even then, you came back up in May of 2008, almost unchanged on the year, as if you were going to go somewhere. And then you rolled over and fell apart. So a lot of these tops, especially in stocks, uh, the momentum, will, annual momentum and quarterly momentum, which is a long-term metric, will fall apart visibly in front of you when you plot it on a chart, and the price will will resist it up mm-hmm. to a point. And uh, 
this one is just particularly protracted. Now, a lot of other indices throughout the world, developed markets, not talking emerging, uh, have fallen apart, even on the price charts. So mm -hmm. now, I fit this also with, you don't just look at stocks, you have to look at the relationships, asset mm -hmm. with class relationships, and the commodities are clearly uh, firming, uh, and I think they're going to be much stronger in the next six to nine months than most analysts or even commodity specialists can fantasize uh, and have a double-digit percent gains of size in many of these markets. Oil, soybeans are up 50 cents today. Uh, mm. uh, things like that. These are all broken out over quarterly momentum structures, in some cases annual. And therefore, there's an ambush underway in the commodity category. Well, that has to be fitted into, well, what does that mean for stocks? Well, they like inflation, they claim, but they're not going to like it if it affects the bond markets. Right. I'm starting to see some yield evidence that it's... Uh, that the bond markets, particularly in Italy, is my prime focus right now. I think Italy is the next Greece. And if it is, wow. it, it, you will not live through it. <laughs> you, you can't dismiss Italy. And I'm watching its yield situation very closely. And it looks very ripe for a major rise in yields, which means the ECB has lost control. Wow. That one well, that... event alone uh, can swamp the stock market. Including well, Michael, that... That, that might actually be bullish, though, for at least in the short term for U.S. Treasuries, right? I mean, as, a, yes. as I say, the, the flight to, right. to, uh, to safety. Yes, that flight to safety could. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that the long end of the debt market, uh, Germany, uh, Japan, and the U.S., the three, quote, safe long-term debt markets, uh, where there's a little bit of yield, like, you know, uh, 30-year Treasury has more yield than... Well, the Japan's a negative, but uh, you yes. get my point. Still, it's a flight to safety phenomenon when they stay firm. But I think that's going to reverse, and I think the bond market's going to join the stock market on the downside, meaning rise, uh, lower prices in bonds, higher yields. And I think that break will occur this year, probably later in the year, uh, at which point wow. the rising rates is going to be the, a fundamental factor. So, Michael, are you suggesting possibly that we could see an end to this the most phenomenal bull market in my lifetime, one that started in U.S. Treasuries in Ronald Reagan's days, you know, when we had 17% rates and all the way down to where we are now. What a bull market. I mean, you could have made more money in bonds than stocks. Uh, Michael O'Higgins, who I, who I met up with some years ago, beating the Dow with bonds, demonstrated how you could have made far more money by being most of the time in bonds, some of the times in stocks, depending on the Dow's, Dow, the, the dogs of the Dow, he used as a trade-off in certain conditions. Uh, are you suggesting that this phenomenal bull market in U.S. Treasuries could be nearing an end? Yes. Yeah, I, I see it in the technicals, and I'm talking the safe stuff, not high yield. We know high yields come into trouble this past year and the year before. Uh, I'm talking about the safe stuff that's still going up, 30-year bonds, 10-year notes, and so forth. Uh, that's where the real danger is because it's very crowded. Uh, because well, a lot of the other debt instruments have been shaken, and therefore people in the high-yield market have moved where? Okay, I answer the question. It, 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 it's the safer stuff, and that means it's crowded. The central bank mm -hmm. has created this situation, and mm -hmm. I see the technicals ripe for the un, un, unwinding of this process. Well, you know, when, when I think of your plate tectonics, as you, you know, as a, as a student of geology, plate tectonics is a very meaningful expression to me. It's gigantic, it's monstrous, it's something that's continental, something that's just big, big picture. I can't think of any market that is that is a greater continental shift or tectonic shift than the Treasury markets, the U.S. Treasury markets. And if you're telling me, uh, if you're suggesting that we may be nearing the end of this 
phenomenal bull market in treasuries, then I think it's earth-shattering almost. Yeah, I, I think so too. And um, I think that it's, a, it's an asset class shift that will cause all kinds of repercussions. It will not uh, occur in, in isolation. Uh, now, the flight to safety, of course, it's been to the dollar, to the treasuries. We are seeing, I would argue, to a certain extent, a flight to safety to gold. Correct. Um, you, we're seeing a bit of a pullback this week, uh, so far this week in gold. I'm not sure. I haven't seen shortly before airtime here. It was still down a bit on the day, and yesterday was down quite a bit. We had touched actually 1,300, I think, intraday uh, in the in the in the near term contract. Uh, you're still. I mean, there's no reason not to be bullish on gold from your perspective at this no, stage. No, no reason at all, unless you're a day trader. Or a three-day uh-huh. trader. <laughs> now, admittedly, you could have these 30, 40-point pullbacks, 50 points, 60 points, whatever. In fact, in February, in the first surge, we ran the 12.60 from the mid-1100s. We did it in a heartbeat because we broke through annual momentum breakout structures, and you had a hundred-plus-dollar surge. Well, within 48 hours of having hit that 12.60, you actually traded back down to 11.92. Mm-hmm. And quickly mm-hmm. went back up into the mid-1200s again. So there have been a lot of these breaks, but I think they're all congestive action breaks. I do not think this rally is even... I don't think we're at the risk of a significant correction yet. I think if mm-hmm. that's going to come, we're going to blow out the high price of last year. Now, if you'll notice, since 2011, every year has produced a lower price high in gold. Well, some, somebody noticed that. Last year's price high was 1307 and as you noted, we traded up on the nearby active contract last week to 1306. Mm-hmm. Wow. Somebody sold $1 in front of last year's price high as if that's some great technical wisdom. And we back <laughs> off some, and if, if you scalped his, his, uh, his short trade, he's doing okay. But if he's uh, resting on his laurels, assuming we're not going to go through there, because annual momentum has taken out the highest, the highest readings of 2015, 2014, and half of 2013 already. And momentum usually leads price. So I'm thinking that that sale at 13.06 was a hint of what's to come. We're going through there. And when we go through, I think there'll be a rush, another rush in gold. Now, in that yes. rush, you might be at a point after that for some kind of tradable pullback. Mm-hmm. But from here, I think that it's a frustrated process for the shorts. All right. Well, you've you've been talking about fourteen fifty or so as the first serious yes. resistance level. That's still what you see. That's when you're likely to That's see something in that area. Level, but I think between here and there, there could be a jiggle of of a more corrective jiggle, like a sixty seventy dollar pullback. Uh, that'd probably be quick. Similarly, on oil, for example, I think oil has a very good chance of seeing something near sixty dollars by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, right now at 44, 45 area, that doesn't seem like a big leap, but I was saying that back when we were in the 30s. Yes. Now, <clears throat> I think oil could have a good little $6 pullback, which it hasn't had in quite a while, up around the $50 level. We haven't gotten there yet. Our high's been 46 and change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, that, for example, you could get a stumble there. Now, that's not the top of the rally, but I think it's like a midpoint stumble in the process of getting to 40, uh, to 60. Similarly, in the process of getting to 1450. Gold, that's an area of uh, some predictable resistance, I believe. You could get a stumble maybe in the mid-1300s. But again, mm-hmm. these aren't trend changers. These are, the kind of, these are corrective processes when they occur. Sure. Uh, the big- Michael, we, we've got only uh, less than a minute left here yet. Uh, I noticed you did a little bit of work recently on the dollar. Since the commodities seem to be so 
correlated with the dollar, negatively correlated or positively, cor- you know, negatively correlated mm-hmm. with the dollar. Uh, what is your outlook for the dollar and the euro? How is the dollar looking now? We're seeing a bit more strength the last few days, up to point ninety four or so on the index. What, what are your thoughts on the dollar uh, just for the last thirty is, seconds? It's a, I, I tend to think it's a bit what you call a bear market rally. We got the ninety two, took out last year's price lows, and maybe you get up to ninety five, which is like another seventy five basis points above where you are now. But I think it's a rally to be sold, not a rally to believe in. Uh, similarly, the euro, watch it closely. It's nestling around 114. I think if you close out any week up there around one, if you look at a price chart even, there's a flat crew cut at around 115. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're selling. It's trading right. up above there, but it won't close a week out above there. And I think that's the key for the euro. If it breaks out, or it goes down. All right, we'll have to leave it at that. Thank you so much again, Michael, for being with us and sharing your wisdom. Uh, We'll look to have you back again next week if possible. So thanks very much for being with us. Well, folks, don't go away. We have to go to a commercial break, but coming up next, Jimmy Rogers will be with us to share his views on the world markets and the rising new Silk Road that is in the early stages of changing global commerce by moving trade from China through India and Russia into Europe, much as William Engdahl has talked to us about. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Jimmy Rogers. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Avino Silver and Gold Mines is a diversified, low-cost producer with operations in Mexico and Canada. Avino is growth-oriented and recently completed a major expansion at its Mexican operation, which doubled its silver equivalent output in 2015. Avino is partnered with Samsung CNT and is now an official metal supplier to one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer electronics and builder of some of the most prolific engineering projects worldwide. Avino's shares are listed on the NYSE as MKT and the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ASM. If you want a silver lining in your portfolio, think Avino. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Jim Rogers, renowned investor and world traveler. And Jim really needs no further introduction. If you don't know who Jim Rogers is, you've probably been living in a cave in Afghanistan or someplace. So it's really a pleasure to have Jim with me. Thanks for joining me again, Jim. Well, Jay, I'm delighted to be here. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, We've enjoyed your conversations with me many times in the past. Uh, I, I do have to ask you, though, Jim, you know, it's been, how long has it been since you left New York City? Uh, we left permanently in 2007. Yeah, 2007. You, you sold your place over there by the Hudson River somewhere and yep. uh, and then went to Singapore. Any regrets for having done so? 
No, no, no. Uh, if anything, regrets so I didn't come, I didn't leave sooner. It's uh, when I left, I really, really, really had second thoughts, third thoughts, regrets. I, I almost backed out and didn't do it. Uh, but now, when I go back to New York, uh, I'm really glad that I live in Asia instead of in New York in 2016, 15, whenever I'm there. Uh, New York continues to decline. America t continues to decline, and Asia's on the rise. I still love New York. I love America, et cetera, but I'm very glad my children are growing up in Asia. Jim, why do you think, uh, why do you think America's in decline? Well, there are many reasons, obviously, that, that nations peak and then go into a decline. Uh, perhaps the main reason right now, if I have to put my finger on one thing, it would be the debt in America. Every nation in world history that's gotten itself into such huge debt situations has suffered. There's no simple fact. I don't like saying it. I'm an American voter and taxpayer just like you. But the debt, America's now the largest debtor nation in the history of the world, Jay, and it's getting worse every day. When you have a lot of debt, it's hard to grow in a dynamic and dramatic fashion because you always have that debt pulling you down or holding you back. I guess that's the single question. Now, you might say, well, why do we have the debt? Who, who, who knows? That goes back to education, lots of things uh, that, that, taking place, that are not taking place in America, I should say. Well, well Jim, you know, it seems to me I was brought up um, in Ohio in a fairly conservative area, and the idea that we had was you save, you save for the future. You build your capital that way, and... Uh, and the only way a country can really grow and become more prosperous is by forming capital that you use to to grow uh, your economy with. Somehow we've forgotten that. It seems that everything is on the Keynesian uh, wavelength that we need to somehow consume to get richer. It, does, it never made any sense to me, except in the short run, perhaps, you can stimulate growth that way. But is that the kind of education you're talking about, this notion that you can just consume your way to prosperity? Well, that's certainly part of it. I mean, when I say education, I mean many things. Uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, yeah. for instance. <laughs> My children go to, go to school in Asia, uh, public schools in Asia, and Jay, everything you may have heard about Asian education is true. It's amazing how advanced, how rigorous. Uh, the, I mean, these, my children have had more homework in the first three or four years than I had in 12 years in the U.S. Um, one of my girls ran into a student at the American, there's an American school here, and she came home in like the third or fourth grade and just matter of fact said, oh, they don't have homework at the American school. And yeah. She had three or four or five hours a day as a little girl. So there are lots of things. It's, it's, it's just amazing the difference in Asian education and U.S. education. And even when I was a kid, Education was much better in the U.S., but it's certainly Asian education is far, far ahead of it. But the basic principle you mentioned, which is you save your money and invest for the future in order to try to come out okay, is a very, very basic point. But we don't use it in America anymore, especially the central bank. Jay, the central, the way things are supposed to work is you save your money and everything is okay in the end. In America right now, we are destroying the people who save their money and invest for the future. Whether you're a pension plan or an insurance company or an endowment, you're getting zero interest, and it's all being done to bail out 
the people who did it the wrong way. The people went deep into debt with no assets, no income, etc. I mean, this is this is going to end just horribly, Jay, just terribly. And history shows we're going to suffer badly. You know, Jim, we're, we're, we're thought of as a capitalist country, and yet it seems to me the ignorance with respect to capitalism is, is it's just astounding. What The question I have in my mind is how can you have a capitalist system when you do not allow, when the central banks do not allow pricing of capital, when, when they're distorting the pricing mechanism of capital? How can you have capitalism if you're destroying capital itself, right? Well, Jay, it's a very insightful point. You know, in Washington right now, they, they blame a shout to other people, other nations, that you're manipulating something, the currency, the markets, whatever. My guys, the biggest manipulation in world history, starting right there in Washington, D.C., where they're manipulating the price of capital, the currency, the price of everything. It's, it's amazing. And yet they blame other people for doing the same thing. And yet we're considered a capitalist country. And what my point is, I don't see how anybody could consider us a capitalist country when we're going the route more of socialism and, and uh, I don't know, fascism, whatever you want to call it. It certainly isn't free market capitalism. But in any event, um, I mean, this just seems like pure lunacy to me, the central bank notion of not only zero interest rates now, but negative interest rates. I think I saw the other day that something like $7 trillion in debt around the world is now negative interest uh, rates uh, receiving on, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but a big, you know, we have negative interest rates in Japan and elsewhere. Um, I just I just can't imagine. And then they're talking about, well, bail-ins. And then they're talking about, well, if there's bail-ins, people are going to want to take their money out. So we're going to have to make it illegal to own cash. I mean, I can't... Uh, is this a reality, Jim, in just in the West? Or do you, do you see that sort of thing possibly happening elsewhere in the world or are you safe in singapore (laughs) you're not going to be safe anywhere jay when the problems really hit because america is the largest economy in the world europe as a whole is an even bigger economy japan is a huge economy it's happening in japan too so even if a country is doing things right it doesn't matter because nobody can be isolated and and exempt from all the the terrors which are coming to all of us i'm afraid I'm just wondering, uh, the craziness in the central bank seem to be, seems, to, in my mind, to be equal only to the craziness that seems to be going on in American politics this year, in this uh, presidential election year. Um, I'd love to know what your thoughts are about how the rise of, of Sanders on the one hand and Trump on the other. How, what do you think? How do you explain that? Well, Jay, whenever, whenever there are difficult times, Somebody rises, you know, whether you want to call them a man on a white horse or a a dictator or whatever you want to call them. Whenever you have serious problems, you have new and strange people, what are considered at the time strange people. So it's not unusual that we have, what do you want to call them, off-the-wall candidates. Uh, I'm surprised we don't have more. And, And I don't know how this election is going to come out, but I do know that the next election is going to be even worse because by then the, the wall will really be falling down all around us. And so who knows what they, we will elect at that time. You have a man come along on a white horse, and that may be Donald Trump or, or Sanders or whoever, and they say, don't worry, I will save you. Listen to me. And they come up with absurd policies, but people vote for them. 
I'm not going to name names, but you know history as well as I do. It's yes. happened many, many, many times, and we've all suffered. Yeah, it's, I wonder, because as a world traveler, you I guess you're spending most of your time in Singapore. You do get around a lot, though, I'm sure, still, Jim. And I'm wondering, what are you hearing from other countries? Are they concerned about what's going on in America and American politics this year? Well, everybody's concerned about America, period, and where America might go. I, I mean, it, either, no matter who of the, of the major candidates, no matter who wins, Jay, it's not going to be good for America or good for the world. If Donald Trump does the things he says he's going to do, I mean, he's, we're going to have trade wars with half the world. Well, trade wars have always, always throughout history led to bankruptcy and led to war. I, I don't know if he means what he says. I don't even know if he knows if, if he means what he says. But Sanders, of course, Sanders will bankrupt us very, very quickly. Hillary Clinton, for God's sake, she's a disaster too. Uh, the bankruptcy will just be slower. That's all. If she if she's elected, so I don't see any any prospects for salvation for the U.S. from the present people who are likely to become president of the United States. Well, Jim, speaking of trade, uh, who, who's, you know, how can you not be in favor of, of free trade? Every, everybody, all economists from every pers- persuasion pretty much is in favor of free trade. Ron Paul has made the point, though, why do you need the TPP? Why do you need all these trade agreements when, in fact, all you really need to do is agree to cut tariffs by the same amount across the boards? I'm, I'm interested in knowing what, you know, especially given your location there in Asia, what your thoughts are about the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and other such agreements, um, d- favorable or non? Well, any kind of free trade, as you've already said, is good for everybody. Everybody, most people, not everybody, of course. But sure. But everybody, in the end, comes out ahead with free trade, whether you call it TPP or open markets or whatever you want to call it. Any way we can get to free trade is normally better for the world. Uh, now, with TPP, I don't know all that's in there, Jay, because they won't tell us. It's yeah, the they don't tell us. We, right. We live in the land of the free, and they won't even tell us what we're supposedly voting on or what our people are voting on. But any kind of free trade, in the end, is better for everybody. Always has been. Now, Donald Trump says he's against free trade, so uh, which, of course, when you close borders and you raise tariffs, I mean, the Great Depression in, in the 1929 and 30s, was caused by an attack on free trade, if sure. you remember. Sure. So uh, we could well have all of that again and worse. We're, uh, I, I, I gather you're not bullish on the equity markets now, Jim, in no, general? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Uh, we, you know, it's been, what, eight years since we had, or seven or eight years since we've had any kind of major correction in most markets in the world. So we're well overdue. There are many reasons we're going to have problems, but... Uh, no, no, I'm I'm not terribly optimistic about shares in mo- most of the world. Well, another very well-known investor like yourself, I put him in the same class as Stan Druckenmiller. Uh, he's come out the other day, you know, saying get out of stocks, and he's favorably disposed towards gold. Uh, how do you feel about gold these days? Well, I own gold. I, I haven't bought gold in several years, as you probably or may know, may remember. Uh, I own it. I haven't I haven't sold my gold. I, I expect another opportunity to buy gold and if it happens, I hope I'm smart enough to buy a lot. If it doesn't happen, I, I still own gold, Jay. Mm-hmm. 
store of value, uh, a store of wealth uh, long term, not to be thought of as an investment necessarily, but just a store of wealth? Is that the way you view it? Well, look at it as an insurance policy of mm-hmm. nothing else. Everybody listening to this has health insurance, and car insurance, fire insurance, etc. You hope you never need it. If nothing else, your gold is a great insurance policy, and it might make you a lot of money as well. Your, Jim, insurance, your fire insurance policy is not going to make you money. Gold might serve you as insurance, and it might make you a lot of money. Jim, um you you're so familiar with with the world because I don't know of anybody that not only have you traveled the world uh, a couple of times uh, the you know one around the world but you spent lots of time with common folks in various countries around the world you didn't just stay in in fancy hotels which you can do anytime but you're even at times your life and the lives the life of your fiance as I recall one of your trips was endangered at at, at least once. So you really have absorbed the culture, the nuances of, of these countries. I think you know these countries as well as any other human being alive, perhaps. There's a, a historian and prolific writer, William Engdahl, that I have on my show uh, frequently. Has he, He's been talking about China's strategic one-belt, one-road Eurasian and Asian infrastructure project that he says has the potential to act as a positive growth engine uh, for countries from China through Russia, Belarus and into Eastern and even Central Europe. Now, you've traveled, as I say, you've been all through these places. And, and what is your thought of this new, what's referred to sometimes as a new Silk Road? Do you have a sense as to how realistic this endeavor is? Is it, is it going to be a big thing for those countries, do you think, Jim? Jay, it's not often in world history that geography changes. You know, the clipper ship <laughs> changed geography. Railroads changed geography. Uh, the Spanish sailors change geography. Uh, this is one of the few times in world history that geography is changing again. They're going to open up huge amounts, huge parts of the world that have been more or less isolated for a long time. Some people are going to get extraordinarily rich. Some are going to suffer as geography changes. I live in Singapore, which has got, until recently, the largest port in the world uh, and the most important port in Asia. Well, this is going to bypass, it's going to certainly not help Singapore at all going forward because now you can put goods on a train and, and they'll get to Berlin or Rome or wherever a couple of weeks faster. This is an astonishing change that's taking place and it's one of the most important events of our lifetime. Interesting. Uh, I, 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 it just seems to me, you know, from where we sit here in the U.S. with the propaganda that we get every day from our mainstream media, um, you know, we all we hear about is the evil Vladimir Putin uh, and, and how the Russian economy is on the ropes thanks to our sanctions and, and lower oil prices. Yet from what I can read, it seems as though Russia may, in fact, in some ways, be in better shape than the U.S. and in that it doesn't have much debt. You you talked about the importance of debt. I believe Russia has something like 18% of GDP in debt. They've been building up their gold reserves massively. Uh, China has as well. And we're seeing reports now that Russia and China are trading. Russia selling oil to China. Iran selling oil to China. Not for dollars, as the petrodollar regime required and the United States military seemingly has been involved in uh, enforcing, but in fact, those countries seem to be trading using their own currencies and gold. Do you have any thoughts about this? Is this is this something 
perhaps that is really start people should really really be focused on in that we have these geopolitical alignments that seem to be springing up now. Well, Jay, as I sit every day, I, I'm astounded at how many mistakes uh, they make in Washington, D.C. We're driving the Chinese and the Russians together, driving many Asians together. Uh, that, In the end, that's going to be a huge benefit to all of them because there are 3 billion people in Asia. Russia has huge amounts of natural resources, et cetera, et cetera. And we're driving them together. Uh, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, some Europeans are starting to wake up and realize, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? But now this is a major, major historic shift. And as I said, we're changing political and economic history. We're changing geography. But it's all towards Asia and Central Asia. It's, it's not driving us towards the U.S. And I don't like saying this at all. I sit and just watch these guys make one mistake after another. It's it's interesting to note. I, I know that uh, James Turk, who we've had on this show, has pointed out uh, in the past that generally speaking, you see gold follow the wealth. So where wealth is being created, you know, as you pointed out many times, the Chinese, for all of their problems, they have certainly a lot of debt themselves, but they are creating things that the rest of the world needs. America basically is just a consumer society now, producing less and less of what I consider wealth-creating industries, mining, manufacturing, and, that, and the like. Um, I, I'm just wondering where, where this is going to go because it, it, it doesn't sound good. It, it sounds as if we are really, as you say, shooting ourselves in the foot. If we could trade with these countries, if we could get along with these countries, but somehow there always seems to be somebody who's trying to ha- they have another agenda, perhaps. So I'm wondering, Eisenhower warned us about the military-industrial complex. We went off the gold standard in 71, I believe, correct me if you have a different view of this, in part because some people wanted to have a war in Southeast Asia, some people wanted to have socialism in America, and Nixon didn't want to tell the American people they had to pay for it, uh, and we wanted to issue debt to pay for it, and so we did, and then we set up a petrodollar, Kissinger went to Saudi Arabia and arranged with the OPEC countries to... Uh, demand payment in dollars, thereby putting a uh, uh, thereby putting um, a bid on the dollar, and and ever since then the dollar has been king. How do you see the dollar now? I mean, I, I, I short term and longer term, Jim. How do you see the dollar? Well, I own U.S. dollars more than any other currency at the moment. It is a terribly flawed currency, Jay. A terribly flawed currency. And unfortunately, I'm afraid in our lifetime it will become a mere shadow of its former self. I own it now because there's so many problems coming and so much turmoil coming, and people will look for a safe haven. Mm-hmm. They think the dollar is a safe haven, and historically it has been. It will not be in the future. Uh, but when the problems come, they're not going to buy the euro. They're not going to buy a lot of things. They'll buy the dollar. The dollar will go up. It will become overpriced, maybe even turn into a bubble. I hope at that point that I'm smart enough to sell and put my money somewhere else. And at that point, if things happen the way they often do, you know, when the dollar goes up, it's very strong. Gold, for instance, doesn't go up. If that, if it happens that way, I, I may swap my my dollars for gold at that point. But who knows? Who knows? That's that's the future. Well, I think. I own, I'm sorry, Jim. I own the dollar right now, even though I. Intellectually and economically, it is indefensible. 
But unfortunately, most other things are indefensible too right now, and that's why I own U.S. dollars. Well, I think you have pointed out in the past, and I think you probably practice it, that it's best to diversify, and that's, uh, as you noted earlier, your own gold is an insurance and an, uh, an alternative currency, if you will, that at some point in time may come in handy as a wealth preservation asset. But uh, commodities in general, I mean, I guess if you see the dollar remaining strong, you know, it's very difficult to know where the tipping point is, isn't it, Jim? It's impossible to know when times are going to change, when psychology might change, when forces that come into play, wars or you know, who knows, the man on the white horse that comes in to rescue us. Uh, uh, but So I guess that's a diversification, the reason you want to own things. Commodities, you're known for your commodities. I still, I still trace the Rogers Commodity Fund every day. And um, in general, what, what do you think of commodities now? Well, commodities have been beaten down uh, in, in recent months, recent years. Um, I, I suspect that they were, uh, most of them, if not all of them, are making – a bottom. It's a complicated bottom, such as oil, gold, uh, most uh, certainly agriculture. Uh, I'd rather be a buyer of commodities at this stage than of stocks anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, as a as a world traveler, as somebody who I've, who have said, you know, you've been around more than anybody else I know, and you've learned to know not just the you know the the wealthy people in fancy places in expensive cities, but you've been you've really learned to know the people and the countries, I think, as well as anybody. Is there any place, you're in Singapore, I I suspect you feel relatively safe there, but is there any place where people might go, people who cherish freedom and the opportunities to use their God-given talents, is there any place on earth besides Singapore, or where can we go? Is there any place to go? It used to be the United States, I felt that we were safe here. Is there any place we can go to be safe, I guess the answer is probably there's no place you can be sure of, right? Well, there's no place at the moment that I know of. Even Singapore, as I said before, that this port here is the most important port uh, in Asia. And if things blow up, everybody needs that port. Uh, and Singapore has a lot of Muslim neighbors, too, that could could turn into a problem someday. Uh, where would one go? I think one needs to find an isolated place. I guess maybe some places in South America may be a way to... To, to make it through some places in Asia, North Korea, I'm very optimistic. North Korea has dramatic changes taking place. It's where China was in 1981. Uh, but, I, I mean, if there's a war, I, North Korea is probably going to be involved. All of Korea is probably going to be involved, too. So you need to find a place, Jay, that's not in the mainstream where people don't really care too much. But even that, you have to be careful because you might wind up in a place where the army is are using you as a highway or as a transit point, so you have to be careful. Well, I think uh, <laughs> probably still your travel books are, are still worth reading, even though time is time changes things a bit. Um, your ad, uh, adventure capital was one that I have in my bookshelves here, um, and also uh, a more recent book, Street Smart. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Street Smart. Well, my publisher said to me at one point, you know, you should put all this together because you've ridden around the world, you've invested in commodities in China and all sorts of things. Well, why don't you put it together how you came from the backwoods of Alabama and now you're living in, in Asia with a couple of Chinese-speaking children, by blonde-haired children who speak Chinese. <laughs> how this happened? Uh, so I, I, I doubt if anybody would be interested, but he persuaded me. And so 
it's really sort of a memoir of how it all happened, and it's largely, as most of my books are, a discussion about the world, including the investment world, but it, it starts off in Alabama and it winds up in Singapore. Interesting. Well, you've had you've had a most interesting life, uh, and I hope it lasts many more years, Jim, because you're a treasure. You're somebody that is very helpful to people who love freedom and liberty, and uh, well, you're just you know you're just a gift uh, to to our world. And I want to be want to thank you for joining us again. Anything else you'd like to add before we uh, conclude uh, our discussion I today? I urge people to get. Uh Become knowledgeable. They should listen to you and other people like you, uh, because the world is facing some very complicated and difficult time. Once you become knowledgeable, you're going to get very worried, which you should, and then you might get prepared because not all of us are going to survive what's coming in the next few years. I hope I survive. I hope everybody listening to this survives, but it's going to be a very, very damaging and difficult time. So all be right. worried. Be prepared. All right, Jim, one last question. How can people keep up with I mean, we see you on television from time to time, less frequently than we used to, but how can people keep up with, with you? Are you writing things, or is there some place where people can can tap no, into your no, wisdom from time to time? No, I guess uh, you mentioned I am in the press sometimes. I guess YouTube or, or what are those things called? Sure. I, don't have a, I don't have a Twitter account. I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a blog. I don't have anything, so... I guess you just have to find me when somebody like you is interested in listening to me talk. Oh, my goodness. Well, we, we, we're going to try to do that more often because it's always a pleasure hearing from you. You just enjoy your family, Jim. It's, it's a wonderful story. You've got two girls, I believe, there, and you're teaching them Mandarin. Uh, they have learning Mandarin. Not you're teaching them, but they're learning it. Very wisely, you have them learning it. And uh, anyway, I, it, very interesting. We hope to talk to you again sometime soon, Jim. Thank you, Jay. Let's do it again. You're right. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Next week, Doug Casey will be our guest. We hope that you'll tune in then. Until until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 